this is a Perthella Prem podcast. This is your host, Mike. It's been a while, but don't worry. We didn't disappear quicker than the Harlan and Nunez comparisons. Tonight, I'm joined by Michael. How you going, mate? Hey, hey Mike. How are you? Um, I'm all right. Uh, what an interesting start to the show. Yeah, I thought just just rile you up nice and early. And um, I'm joined by another City fan. And yes, there's more than five of us. We're not all made of plastic. Um, today, I'm joined by Josh, who's first time on the show. How are you going, Josh? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Mike. How are you, mate? Yeah, good no, Good to be back. Um, been a while. Unfortunately, life gets in the way a little bit sometimes, but now it's good to be talking about football again. So, as always, we'll uh, kind of go over what's been happening in the Premier League over the last couple of weeks, kind of skim over a few things. Uh, we'll do the 10 in 10. So, uh, that's good fun, Josh. I don't know if you've heard the show before, but that's always good fun. We'll do the quiz as well at the end, test your Premier League knowledge. Um, but first, I thought, let's have, have a little bit of fun. And um, I was just listening to something the other day on the radio, and um, I was, they were talking about most embarrassing sporting moments. So uh, I'm going to start with you, Michael. What's your most embarrassing sporting moment? What's something that you've been involved in that is the most embarrassing moment? Most embarrassing moment? Uh, as a player or as – what are we talking here? Um I mean, well, as a I, fan, I'm going to be playing myself, but you can go as a fan if you want, or you can go as a player. Uh, yeah, well, this is a this is a tough one actually. Um, I'm not sure if it's the most embarrassing, but when I was playing under 14s, we we were top of the league, we were flying, and uh, we had a sticky patch uh, for about six, seven games in the middle of the season. After half time, we conceded within the first 30 seconds. Um, and it just happened every single week, and we're, we're still top of the table by that many points. But we're all looking at each other around like every week. How the hell is this happening? Um, and we finally got out of the, the run. But uh, I don't know if that was the most embarrassing, but definitely one playing memory. Um, I think we started laughing at one of the games and like, how the hell? <laughs> Bit like Spurs at the moment need to go a goal down to get going. Um, what about you, Josh? Look, I don't know. I, I've screwed up a lot playing sports. You see me screw up a lot playing volleyball and stuff. But uh, my most embarrassing moment probably happened this week. I was, I'm was i a teacher and I was on duty and uh, the kids were playing soccer and they kicked the ball and it kind of came to me just above waist height. And I'm like, yeah, I play soccer. I can control that. So I've gone to put my leg up to control. Mind you, I'm in pretty much a full suit. Yeah, my leg can go that high. Suit pants cannot. I've ended up flat on my ass, on the concrete in front of about 80 children. That has to take the cake for most embarrassing sporting screw-up. Yeah, let's hope uh, none of the teachers saw it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a teacher as well. We're all teachers, actually. And, um, yeah, I've had many a fall trying to join in with the kids, especially little ones. I, I kind of get caught up with them sometimes. Uh, for me, um, it's not so much a football like, as in soccer-related one, but back in the day when I was playing Aussie Rules um, under-14s, now, I will say, just before I, I tell you this, I actually dislocated my thumb before training on a swing uh, that week before the game. And I got a goal, I got a mark in the goal square. So for anyone that's that's listening overseas and doesn't know Aussie rules that well, the goal squares, it's not that big. You've got two big sticks you need to get it through. It's, it's pretty plain and simple. And I just I marked it and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kick this. And I didn't really put much effort to, into it. And I've just gone to kick it and I kind of, I didn't look at the ball. I didn't look at the goal or anything. And I've just hit the post. And then even the goal umpire is just like, what has this guy done? Like, how's he missed it from here? And 
I reckon ever since then, I've been really like, it's just got in my head a little bit trying to think about trying to kick a goal. And then actually it was pretty funny in that same game. I got a mark later on because they'll play me in the forward line because I was injured. And um, I think it was about 40 out and I just, I just flushed it. And then even the goal umpire's like, oh, he's, he missed it straight in front like 10 minutes ago. How's he kicked this one? So that was pretty embarrassing for me. Um, all right. So let's get into the nitty gritty as uh, Gareth, who's not with us tonight, likes to call it. Um, so first of all, so like I said, we'll talk about sort of the last couple of weeks. We won't go into too much results or anything like that. But one team I really wanted to talk about to start with was was Tottenham because I was listening to the English station this morning on the way to work, TalkSport, and Spurs fans, so they, they obviously got through to the knockout stages, but it was a funny group because at one point they were, they'd were they missed it. So, um, you know, a lot of fans are saying they want Conte out, they want Pochettino back. It's quite dramatic for me. I mean, it's a bit over the top, but... Um, I really wanted to ask you, and I'll start with you, Michael, you know, looking at Spurs, and we spoke about this previously, how, you know, maybe they're not playing well, but they're getting results. So looking as an opposition fan, what would you prefer? Would you prefer in Spurs situation, the results, or are you looking at the performances? Um, sort of how do you view Spurs? Because I, I don't think they've played that well. I think they're pretty horrible to watch, but they're still getting results. Yeah, Um I think they're still a bit spursy, even with uh, Conte um, leading them, uh, which is uh, which is always good laugh for being an opposition supporter. Um, it gets to a point to a game where you think they've done it, then uh, link with VAR again, uh, the, um, like they did to City in the Champions League. There's always something around Tottenham with VAR or Harry Kane, a last minute uh, equaliser. I think the points at the moment is really good. Um, I'd be happy uh, either in third place, I think, in the league at the moment, Mike. Um, but uh, definitely they'll get knocked down the next phase of the Champions League if they put up performances like that. Yeah, I just don't understand Antonio Conte. Like, he's got um, Harry Kane, Hyunmin Son. I mean, Kulisevsky's injured at the moment, but they've got some such good attacking players. And you look at him, they're dropping so deep. And it, I think it's just, I mean, it's horrible to watch for me as a neutral fan. I, I'm not going to tune into Tottenham Hotspur and watch them because they're just not fun to watch, really. But um, you know, you look at all those players and I just feel like, you know, at Tottenham at the moment, kind of, they almost need to go a goal down to sort of get into gear. But I don't know about you, Josh. I don't know what you reckon, but I feel like Tottenham don't need to play that way. You know, they, they can set up and be more positive from the start. Or is that just, you you know, watching Italian football, you know, Serie A, is that just how Conte is? Or do you think, you know, Spurs just need to be on the front foot a little bit more? I, I think that's, it's, it's interesting because I remember when Conte moved from Inter to Tottenham and I thought it was a weird decision all over in the first place because the main reason Conte was leaving um, Inter was because they couldn't match his ambition in terms of the transfer market. Inter had said, we can't spend the money you want us to spend to go after the Champions League, yada, yada, yada. I think it's interesting he went to Tottenham because the same thing's kind of true there. They can't spend the money. They can't bring anyone in to match Conte's ambition or build the team that I guess he needs. Look, when he was managing Inter, he was definitely always on the front foot in games. He wasn't always coming from behind. They definitely knew how to dig out a win if they did fall behind, but they didn't need to fall behind to get started. Um, I think, look, Tottenham at the moment, yeah, pretty fortunate to be in the positions that they're in and if they can turn it around, if they can turn it around, then, yeah, they can definitely have a good finish to the season. But I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if blaming Conte is the right call. I mean, Sun is a great player and this season – you know, went, what was it, seven games before he managed to score his first goal. I, I don't know how much you can put that on the manager 
when that's just a star player who's just not having having a day of it, I guess. And I wonder how much that's on them and, and how much on, the, on their transfer. The biggest transfer um, that they made was Richarlison. Why? They got, they got Harry Kane. He wasn't going anywhere. So what, what was the motivation behind that? Yeah, I think I still think sixty millions, you know, ridiculous money for someone like Richarlison. He's he obviously dug Everton out quite a few times last season, but sixty million for a player who's I don't even think he's touched twenty goals in a season, you know, it's ridiculous. And like you say, Spurs don't spend the money, and then they go and spend sixty million on on you know Richarlison. So yeah, look, I think their table position is probably deceiving right now um, for me as well. You know, if they go and play like that against a Bayern Munich or you know, Real Madrid even still, or, you know, a t- much tougher opposition than, say, you know, Sporting Lisbon and, you know, Marseille, then they're going to get they're gonna get knocked out straight away. And I, well, I think Spurs fans will probably start to get on his back. But, um, yeah, I just think right now their performances aren't really up to standard. And, you know, I mean... Yeah, uh, I'm going to tune in there, Mike. Uh, I, I think that can be said, but I also got a feeling... Uh, they they might do better um, set up against the say the bigger teams where they can sit back and let the other team dictate a bit of possession and then catch them on the counter with Hyung uh, Win Son uh, with uh, Richarlison um, Kulusevski. Uh, I think it might 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 suit them better um, and they might look better for it. Sort of like a Mourinho esque type performance. Um, I, it's going to be an interesting one. I know we're going to touch on Liverpool later. Uh, but on the weekend, um, it, it, it's at uh, Tottenham. Uh, so are they going to have majority possession or are they going to give Liverpool the ball and then try and um, counter them off and have like what, 30% possession um, and pip them off that way? Well, I think, you know, um, they will sit off. That's just how Conte plays. I don't, I don't think there's any way he's going to go on the front foot, especially against Liverpool. But, you know, speaking of Mourinho, how's this any different to Mourinho? Like, you know, what's what's different about it, really? I mean, yeah, sure, they're, they're doing much better um, results-wise, but at the same time, like, I, I just feel like this is prehistoric football. Like, it's just not, not the way of the future. And I, I don't know if it's sustainable for me. So, I don't know what you reckon, Josh. Yeah, look, I guess, yeah, look, Conte is definitely an improvement on Mourinho as, as a net result thing. And even, look, he's doing the prehistoric thing, but he's still doing it a little bit better. Um, but you're right, I think... I think that kind of football and Conte being there and playing like that is a great way to guarantee you make Champions League. It's also a great way to guarantee you don't win the league and you don't have a shot at winning the league because you're coming. if you're coming on the back foot, you can definitely finish top four. You can beat all the smaller teams. You can definitely get a win or two against some of the big boys, but you're not going to win enough because you're not going to be able to make it up enough to, to actually challenge for the title. So is Tottenham actually trying to challenge for the title? Because if they are, then they're not doing the right thing. If, they, if they're not trying to challenge the time, they just want to finish top four, you know, the next six seasons in a row, yeah, stick with Conte and I think they'll go fine. They'll hit, you know, four or five out of six seasons. They'll be in the top four. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think they're title challenges. I mean, I did rate them pretty highly beforehand because of Conte, really. But, yeah, I think top four is probably realistic for them. I think if they miss out on it, then that's going to be really interesting and see how the fans react, how Daniel Levy reacts, because he's obviously tried to back Conte a little bit more than say, previous managers. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out because I, I just think at the moment it's, it's dreadful to watch. But, I mean, if they keep getting results, I don't think 
too many Tottenham fans will complain, although you do have that section that are kind of getting on his back a little bit and just, you know, aren't happy with how they're playing. I, I think they just like Liverpool a little bit at the moment. They can't really afford to keep going and go behind because, you know, when they do come up against the big teams, then they're really going to get found out. And, it's, you know, you're chasing the game. You're exerting more energy. It's, it's only going to catch up with them at some point. So, anyways, uh, let's talk about the other side of London. Um, talk about Arsenal because... For me, um, just looking at it, you know, people are talking about how City are going to run away from the league, uh, run away with the league, rather. Um, but you know, I don't know whether people are looking at the league table or not. But Arsenal is still top, and they're looking like they're not going to slow down too much um, right now. And obviously, there's a lot, long, long time to go in the season. We've got the World Cup to to come into effect as well, and we don't know how that's all going to. Really, don't know how it's all going to play out because of that. Um, Michael, is it time to start taking Arsenal seriously? Is it is it going to be a two-horse race? Yeah, I think it already is. Um, I, I do think the World Cup is coming at a bad time for Arsenal. Uh, they would want to go into December, um, the traditional December, playing uh, <laughs> three games a week. Uh, I know that's sort of what the program is now, but it would be more or less three Premier League games and they can quickly pick up the points. Uh something happens at the World Cup, stops the momentum. I think it would be easier for City uh, then to get back to playing football, get back into grinding those points. Uh, I think Arsenal running the wave at the moment and they're doing it very well. Uh, but as soon as a bit of that spark goes or they take a few games to come back to get it going again, uh, th- those points drop. So that could be the difference between the winning the league and finishing second. Yeah, and... Um... You know, I don't know, Josh, what do you reckon, mate? Like, what really could slow Arsenal down? Because for me, a small squad is interesting because, you know, if you lose Jesus, Saka, even like Martinelli, um, even Thomas Partey is quite injury prone and they, they've kind of built their midfield around him. So what do you reckon? Yeah, look, I think I think Arsenal, If look, you're looking at Arsenal and City and I say Arsenal are much more likely to pick up an injury at the World Cup and then not be able to cover it. So, you know, if City pick up an injury, you've got the squad depth, it wouldn't be necessarily as good a player, but they would manage. Where I think Arsenal, you lose, particularly, you know, your Bakio Sarkas and your Gabriel Jesus and those kind of players, and and who comes in to replace them? Um, that's what I want to say. I'm, I'm spewing that the game between Arsenal and City, hmm, the game between Arsenal and City got postponed till after the World Cup. Because I would have loved to have seen how that game went while Arsenal were flying now to see what they were head-to-head, both in form, both going strong. I would have loved to see who who would have won that game. Unfortunately, that's been pushed back because they had um, that Europa League match rescheduled and, and that meant they couldn't play that game. But that would have been great to see. Yeah, look, I'm actually glad it didn't happen because it would have come, I think it would have been three days after we played Liverpool at Anfield. And for me, actually, City have been quite poor since the Anfield result. I mean, they got a couple of results, but not been playing that well. Um, so in some ways, I'm glad. But then I think we play them in April. That's next. We're, due, we're um, scheduled to play them next. So I'd say probably, you know, we're going to play them pretty um, in pretty quick succession as well. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I think maybe as well, again, we don't know how the World Cup's going to play out and how it's all going to take effect. But I wonder whether the World Cup might just hinder that momentum. They might come back. Because I think a lot of teams are going to come back pretty slow and sluggish. Um, and it's just interesting to see whether Arsenal can actually build that momentum back up. But, uh, you know, I think they're doing really well. Um, and I suppose it's just keeping keeping that squad fit and managing it well. And I think the benefit of them being in the Europa League is they can rest to Jesus or they can rest to Saka. They can rest those odd players here and there. Um, yeah. 
But um, I was going to say, I feel like you could say the same thing about City, and in particular, you could say the same thing about Haaland. How is he going to go? Like, he's in absolutely hot form, pretty much like Arsenal. How's he going to go not playing for the World Cup? Because he's going, because Norway's not in it, so he's going off on basically a mid-season vacation. Is he going to come back firing just as hard as he? And I'm not doubting him because I know that was a whole big thing before the season. I'm just saying, is he going to find that he's a little bit off the pace because everyone else has been playing and been at you know competing still at that level, albeit for the national teams, when they come back? And he's going to come back, yes, refreshed, but still in form, still in shape after, what is it, a month, two months for the World Cup the break? Yeah, yeah, I think a month or so. Let's hope it does Mahrez some good because he's been absolutely horrendous. Anyways, I'll, I won't get you fired up about that, Josh. So remember, we aren't we aren't a City or Liverpool podcast or a Premier League podcast. Um, all right. Well, actually, speaking of which, we're gonna we're gonna move on to Liverpool, Michael. I'll get your thoughts in a second, mate. So, look, Jurgen Klopp, he's achieved a lot at Liverpool, but I don't understand how he's not under pressure because. You can blame injuries, you can blame this, you can blame that. And I think there's a culmination of factors, right? And I think maybe the board's to blame as well in in some ways. Um, Because, you know, I think one thing City have done well, people can talk about spending and whatever, but we actually had a net profit this season. So uh, take that. But, um, you know, I think City have always turned over the squad, constantly refreshed it, brought in some new players, let some big players go, um, much like Liverpool with Mane. But... How was he not under pressure? What's your thoughts, Michael? I know what you're going to uh, say. Yeah, now, nah, first of all, um, touching on the point, uh, say the transfer market, when Liverpool won the Champions League, then uh, won the league a um, couple of seasons later, or the season later, um, we didn't strengthen from a position of strength. The thing that was our biggest issue, City do that, uh, and they do it very well. Uh, Liverpool, uh, even letting the likes of Wijnaldum go, and even this summer with uh, Origi um, to Milan, uh, Minamino, who hasn't been firing for Monaco, uh, but then now we've picked up the little injuries like Jota, um, and then all of a sudden the squad's really thin. Um, and then Nunes didn't play the other day, Thiago had an ear infection, and we got done to Knott's Forest. Um, so th- th- that's a that's an overriding issue. Uh, the Owners are, are staying and um, it looks like they're backing Klopp. Uh, two things. Klopp, seventh season syndrome. Um, so Michael, a is that time. a coincidence? Is that a coincidence though? Or is that just, is that just you know, like is his style of football just too full on that players just burn out after uh, say, it, a period of time? The first three seasons, um, that heavy metal branded football, uh, yes, 100%. The evolution when he started to um, transfer in the likes of Thiago, um, uh, I think he wanted to change the direction of and the way they're playing football. Unfortunately, with the injuries, with betting in players, um, hasn't really happened. Finally, uh, like this major signing like Nunez, as he's getting that goal return, I think he's on seven, eight goals in all comps. Uh, in his last five starts, I think he's got four goals as well. Um, so that's sort of gelling. Um, but there's nothing behind him um, to like make him look as good as Harlan. Essentially, uh, we don't have the midfield. We have Curtis Jones coming in. He's not up to it. Naby Kaida is injured. He's he's on the way out. Milner's 36, seven. Uh, Henderson as well. He's not playing every game. And Thiago is uh, <laughs> he's made of glass as well. Um, so we having a few issues. Um, 
I don't think we even have a club doctor at the moment, to be honest. I think they're advertising for that position. Um, hopefully they can strengthen in the summer. But saying all that, uh, as a supporter, I still believe that if one person can turn around, it is Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, look, I just think any other manager, I mean, Chelsea, if he was at Chelsea, he'd probably be sacked by now. I'm not saying you should sack Jurgen Klopp, right? But I just, I feel like Jurgen Klopp, I mean, he's really, really clever. And look, I feel like there's more Liverpool and Man United fans and Chelsea fans in the media than there is, say, City fans. Because I can imagine if Pep was in a similar situation, like people would be calling for his head, it'd be all over the place. But I just don't understand how more questions aren't, be, aren't being asked. I mean, obviously he's tried to change the system, but, you know, it comes out in the summer and he, and he says, we've got the best right back, we've got the best left back, we've got the best centre backs, we've got the best of everything. And then, yeah, yeah, you know, just going in with the, I think that goes back to the injuries. Apart from Alexander Arnold, Robertson has been injured. Uh, our center halves, Maddox, still injured. Canate just came back, played in Europe um, last night. Uh, we also have Ramsey, who, who came from Aberdeen. He just played his first minutes. Um, he showed a bit actually. Um, but so when Trent was out there to put Milner there, uh, um, so. I, I, we didn't have that squad depth to draw upon, even though pre-season it, it, it did sound that way. It did look that way. I was pretty confident. I think I tipped them to win the league. Go me. Um, I'm just sticking to the cup comps now. <laughs> yeah, I think Liverpool, a funny team because, you know, they'll. I reckon they're going to struggle. They'll probably make top four. I think they'll have a run. But, you know, and this goes back to my whole Champions League argument that we constantly have. Um and look, I want to win it really just so people shut up about City, to be honest. But, you know, it just shows the best side maybe doesn't win it. But I could see Liverpool going on and winning the Champions League, even with a horrible league season, because they're obviously like usually a pretty good cup side, similar to, say, Chelsea as well. But really, I don't know. I'll ask you, Josh, and maybe cause you're not a Liverpool fan, but can they really not compete? Because I'm looking at some of these signings, right? I think I think Jurgen Klopp is really good at playing the underdog card because you look at Virgil van Dijk, you look at Alisson, you look at Nunes. Some of these signings cost a lot more than some City players that we've actually signed. So, and and even looking at Chelsea as well. You look at Chelsea, they signed Lukaku for 97 million. 97 million, right? And nobody bats an eyelid at it that he's gone back on loan to Inter Milan. Uh, yes, Michael, I can show, I can see that, mate. We'll, we'll win it and you'll never hear the end of it. But I just feel like the can't compete comments are absolute nonsense, really, because maybe the owners won't dip into their pockets as much, but... At the end of the day, they've still spent a lot of money on players. It's not like they haven't spent anything. It's not like they get free transfers. They still spend money just like any other club in world football. So, Josh, what do you reckon? Can they really not compete or is it Klopp just putting on um, a little bit of a smoke screen? Yeah, look, so the, look, the thing with Man, people use Man City as a bit of a scapegoat and we do spend more money than everyone. I know, yeah, individually some of the transfers aren't as big, but we do spend more money than most of the other teams. But that's not really a good enough excuse not to be competing with the rest of them. Okay, yeah, say we, we should be able to run away with it because we've spent so much money. That, that, that's not a reason to be sitting in eighth. Um, I think, look, Klopp definitely gets at least one season without copping pressure because it's, it's been, what, six good seasons. He's won them their first Premier League title and he won the Champions League with Liverpool and he was second last year and he was second the year before they year they won. Yeah, that's right. Um so I think he deserves to have one bad season, even if they miss Champions League this season, which I think they might because although I think they're going to go on a run at some point, they're definitely going to find some form. I don't know who from the top four at the moment 
loses enough form for them to take their position. So it's not that Liverpool can't earn it, but it's just I don't know who's going to give it to them. Someone someone up in that top five, actually, I should say, has to kind of screw up. So they're one of your Man Uniteds or your Tottenham's or Newcastle or, you know, Man City or Arsenal kind of really have to bin, bin the second half of the season for Liverpool to be able to make that ground back up because I think even if they go on a run, they're not going to get back to last year's level this season. Nunes needs a season to get into rhythm, and I think that's because they bought him a season later than they should have. They should have bought him when Liverpool were flying and he would have slot in and he would have started flying with them. And instead they've bought him too late and they've expected him to fix kind of holes that they've left in their team. And, no, and I disagree, learned. Josh. No, I disagree, disagree. Mate. The, the, Yeah, fair argument, that. But um, he's, uh, his goal return is really good. Uh, he is in absolutely everything. Um, he comes on, he's getting assists, he's getting goals. He's, uh, he's getting behind. He's uh, he's causing chaos, as they say, um, every sense of the football pitch. Unfortunately, uh, there's no rest of the team that to help him. Uh, I, th- I think if he went to City, I don't think he would need that betting in time, to be fair. I know he's not. No, but that's the point, because City's at the top yeah. form. That's, yes, that's what I'm saying. Yes, I think it's would... Nunes necessarily. I think it's the team around him. No, 100% agree with you, Michael. Like, I'm not blaming him. It's not his fault. It's... That's what I'm saying. They they brought him in and then expected him to carry the team straight away, and that's not that's not fair to him. And I think I think by next year he will be not carrying the team because I think Liverpool's going to sort their shit out. But I think next year he will be that goal threat. And I think look, Harlan's going to calm down. This kind of goal scoring form is just not going to hang around. And I think it'll be between him and Nunes next season for the Golden Boot. Yeah, I think Harlan will win it. Unfortunately. <laughs> Michael, you just mentioned wage structure, mate. If you believe that Erling Haaland's on 960 grand a week, then you're absolutely mental. You need Your head needs a wobble because I don't know if that's what you're referring to. But I feel Yeah, like no, the wage structure, like we're, the we're deal, so good. five years compared to Nunez to Haaland. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but Haaland's done it. Haaland's already d- proved himself in, in many, many more respects. Now, it's not to say Nunez can't be a good player, but at the end of the day... Yeah, but they won't break the wage structure. They, they like barely broke it for Salah. Uh, and if they put it any higher, they would have kept Mane and Van Dijk would ask for more. It's just sort of a bit different. Like, well, yeah, we're way ahead of the clubs. Uh, like uh, who are, um, oh, that, that next tier down, um, obviously. But uh, I think City and Newcastle are going to be the way going forward. Yeah, look, I still I still think, though, like people say City ruin football. But for me, you're looking at I'm looking at like PSG signing Kylian Mbappe on a 200 million signing bonus. Real Madrid. Chelsea, you know, I just feel like City, like Josh said, kind of are the scapegoats there. And it just really frustrated me that Klopp's just picked out City because there's a lot of other teams there that's spending a lot of money, even like Everton, even um, like I say, Chelsea as well. Man United spend a lot of money, but I feel like no one actually talks about them because they've not been as successful as City. I think that's really just kind of grinded my gears a little bit. And, you know, Klopp's trying to get in our heads probably, but, you know, I think he needs to give a bit of a fat check. Um, I actually, I'm going to retweet something, a football finance page, and it's actually about about spending and um, it talks about how transfers aren't so much about just some money spent on that and it's about the whole structure of the club and you'll find that City and Liverpool are actually a lot closer than you think. So anyways, I'm just going to play Klopp's comments here at the start of the season um, and get your thoughts because I know... He, the midfield was a was a big concern for you, and he's gone and signed Arthur Mello, who's played about three minutes and um, probably done bugger all. But anyway, here we go. He should have signed a midfielder. Um, 
actually we, we have um, because Harvey Elliott people forget that immediately um, was our best player in the first four matches of the last season and then he got a bad injury we brought in Fabio Cavallo it was inc incredibly interesting Tyler Morton made definitely the next step he played for us good games but on six he's actually an eight so when you see him now training absolutely exceptional we have then all the other boys in in the beginning of the season um, we, we struggled a little bit Hendo was injured a little bit then Thiago uh, Nabi and all these kind of things there if they all stay fit we have an incredible amount but as well incredible just incredible football players there and all what you need creativity hardworking box to box it's all in we just have to to use it in the right way and last line uh, we have four of the best center backs in the world we have um, the two best um, um, left and right back plus Costas plus now Calvin plus Joe can play plus Millie who can play there all these kind of things um, it's really interesting we didn't even speak yet about the goalie so the basis is there but of course and this is what he said just a couple of days ago not that long ago yeah nah best team in the world and you put in the best striker on the market no no matter what it costs no matter what it costs you just do it I know City they will not like it nobody will like it you ask a question but you know the answer but, but what does Liverpool we cannot act like them it's not possible not possible it's just it's just clear and again you know the answer there are three clubs in world football who can do what they want financially. It's, I don't, it's illegal and everything fine, but they can do what they want. Put in, and they will say, yeah, but, we have the, but it's exactly the fact. We have to look at, we need here, we need that, and we need that, and then we have to look here and make it younger, and here um, a prospect, and here a talent. That's what you have to do. And, 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 and you compete with them. It's not, not a problem at all for me. It's like it is, but it's, you, you don't ask me that question because we always open this discussion and in the end it's me telling you. But you all know it. You should know. It's not possible to deal with that. And it will be like this. I heard now the Newcastle, whatever is there, said uh, there's no ceiling for this club. Yeah, right. He tells you he's right. <laughs> he's absolutely right. There's no ceiling for Newcastle. Congratulations. Some other clubs have ceilings. All right. So um, apparently, according to Paddy Murphy, um, we can't deal with Jürgen's tr tricky reds. What's happened, Michael? What, why has he changed his, his tune since the start of the season? I think one of the, the key words from the first uh, little clip that you played us is, uh, uh, I think it was Sausage Fit. Um, so I think that brings back to the injuries. Uh, the people like Cavalier, like Javier, I do think they um, have a great potential. Uh, really excited to see Javier on the pitch um, every time. But uh, he's, he's still 19. He, he, he's not that experienced. He's not on those wages. Um, and he wouldn't go for a huge transfer fee as well to another club. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, and then Naby's been injured. Uh, again, I think it all goes back down to injuries, um, and, and, and I got no idea why. To be honest, um, <laughs> the training is it too intense? Uh, uh, I don't know. The I know they've got different international teams. Uh, um, 
but there haven't been much international football. Um, so I, I don't really know what has happened to break down that side and they had to go out and buy Miller uh, from uh, Juve. And um, they, they know his injury record. They knew it before they bought him and look what's happened. It's not a surprise. Uh, but um, saying that, I think another five or so years, that ceiling comment that he referred to for Newcastle. And look, look now, look where they are on the league table. Um, and that's even without the huge investments and the time that Eddie Howe has been given so far. Yeah. Um, look, we won't spend too much more time on it because I could go on all day about this. But um, speaking of Newcastle, and, and Klopp obviously spoke about there being no ceiling because I think Eddie Howe might have said that. But um, Josh, what do you think about Newcastle's start? Because they're flying at the moment. Um, you know, Miguel, Miguel Amaron scored, uh, what is it, seven goals or something. So Jack Grealish is looking more like a dickhead every day after those comments but uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts I uh, my thoughts are completely surprised I, I mean look Newcastle over the next five six years I'm sure they're going to become one of the bigger clubs especially if the money comes in like everyone's expecting and they manage to stay on the right side of the you know financial fair play committee and all that but so far yeah okay, they've made a couple of purchases but they've not made they've not spent that much money even when you look at the top four around them even if you exclude Man City they haven't spent an insane amount of money so for them to be jumping up into the top three, I think it's partly, you know, they've held on to some players that maybe they would have they would have lost otherwise. I think, you know, people like Alan St. Maximin, if they hadn't, you know, had the financial backing to keep players like that, I think they lose them. And I think that's that's probably the big difference for them at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, some of those players are just kind of playing out of their skin at the moment. It'd be interesting to see if they can actually uh, maintain it as well. But you're right. I think Alan St. Maximin probably would have been out the door um, but like looking at Almiron as well, for example, I could just mention, you know, he's playing out of his skin right now. Um, and like all those players and Eddie Howe's done a really good job because I know a lot of Newcastle fans kind of doubted whether he'd actually be the right man for the future. But right now there's no one better to be sort of leading that Newcastle revolution. Um, especially being a young, young English manager, he can grow into the team just as the team's growing as well. And, you know, their support's kind of, you know, almost unrivaled as well. You know, those fans are going to get right behind it. So, and that, and just to mention as well, that uh, Guimarez as well, he's an absolute player. So, you know, made some good signings as well. And I think as much as people bang on about City spending and all that sort of stuff, they bought the right players early on. And I think that's where Newcastle kind of have to get it right as well, especially now because financial fair play restrictions are certainly much, much tougher um, because of the likes of PSG, City, Madrid, etc. So, um, yeah, no, good start for them. Um, I'll, I'll probably ask you boys about this a little bit later on in 10 and 10, so I won't speak too much longer on it. Um, just kind of looking around the leagues, um, we've got Everton as well. I don't know, Michael, you know, you're a Liverpool fan. I, I'm sure you don't have any sympathy for Everton or much love. But what are your thoughts on Everton? Because I feel like they're looking really, really solid under Lampard. And they've, you know, um, spent a lot of money the last few years and kind of struggled. But... I think they're doing really well. Yeah. Uh, it, well, what's their record at the moment? I think they're three, three, four wins in the league. Um, was pretty decent. Um, start of the season, uh, I think we tossed up between either the Villa manager or the Everton manager um, to get the sack before the season, and I got that one wrong. Um, yeah, Lampard's definitely steadied, um, and having lots the likes of Richarlison, uh yeah, uh, I, I think they're doing all right. They're sitting mid-table. I think anything 
um, clear before the end of the season with about five games to go um, is a good return for them, considering that they were in the relegation battle um, pretty much the final day last season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, mid-table is probably not where they wanted to be maybe a couple of years ago, um, especially with all the investment. But, you know, maybe they're not scoring that much just yet, uh, maybe struggling to score, but they're defensively solid. And I think, I still can't believe Wolves got rid of Connor Cody. Um, maybe he's not the best player in the world, but he's still an England international and he's a leader at the back. And look at Wolves right now. They're an absolute shambles. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, Josh, I think the big thing that? to draw, sorry to interrupt, I think big thing for Cody... Uh, that because his family is based in Liverpool, it was more about lifestyle um, and being close to them than necessarily leaving Wolves for the project. Yeah, but I think Wolves also wanted to to get rid of him for, for some unknown reason, maybe because they wanted to switch to a back four. But, I mean, you look at Cody and Tarkovsky, that's, that's two great players to build your defence yeah. around for a team like Everton. So I don't know what you reckon about them, Josh. It's definitely a massive improvement. I think the big thing for Everton, though, is they need to get started, start getting some results. I mean, they've won three games, and that's that's great, and that's whatever, but they keep drawing games that maybe they should be picking up the points in. Um, none of their losses are particularly, you know, horrendous. They've only they've lost only really to, the, to good teams. I think there might be one, you know, game they probably went, oh, we shouldn't have lost that. That would be the Aston Villa game. But other than that, all their losses have come from, you know, top five teams. So that's fine. But the draws, I think, are going to, they're going to catch up with them if they don't start turning, converting those into wins, like, you know, up to, leading up to, but more importantly, after the World Cup. I think they need to come back and they need to put some wins on the board. If they don't want to be, not in a relegation battle, but in that, like, kind of area where they're, they're, they're in numerically in a relegation battle, if not actually in a relegation battle, they need to start getting those wins. Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, just as many wins as you can get and try to keep clear and then kind of can build from there. Um Another one as well, obviously, um, just looking at Brighton, they hammered Chelsea. So Brighton's doing really well, which is good. Um, managerial news um, as well. I don't know if you boys heard this morning. So initially, um, Wolves were going for, I think it was a QPR manager, Michael Beal. He said no because he wants to stay at QPR. Um, he's been doing quite well there. Um, and then they went for the, I think it's former Severe manager because Severe's doing pretty poorly at the moment. Uh, Julian Lopetegui. Uh, I think he was the manager of Spain for about two days or, or something happened there. But um, I don't know. What, what do you boys reckon about that? Obviously, Stevie G's left as well. I'll start with you, Michael. Maybe you can talk about Gerard and, and what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, uh, it, it's a difficult one, um, to be honest. Uh, he did well at Rangers, Stevie. Uh, and then he, ambitious move into the Premier League uh, and he took on the Villa role. Uh, it's it a big task. Um, he started um, really, really convincingly. Um, I know with all the new manager bounce and all that. Um, but I think he I thought he would be better um, more tactically under um, managers like uh, Rafa Benitez in his career um, to pick up a few things. But um, And having played in Europe um, with Villa. Um, but I, I, I don't think... Um, He's going to move on to that next job, um, that next big job. Sorry, um, relatively quickly. I think he'll have time to um, reassess um, his options um, because I think, like if Lampard was to um, leave Everton, um, the next job is crucial for him in his career. Otherwise, I don't think he'll make it as a manager. I think Championship is where 
um, Gerard should be going just to learn his trade because I, I think all these managers, like I said it before, Lampard, Gerard. I mean, even Scholes has had a crack at it as well. I think Michael Carrick's in the championship with uh, West Brom at the moment as well. You know, they, they don't really go and earn their stripes, and I feel like they just get these jobs on the basis of oh, Stephen Gerrard, the footballer, Frank Lampard, the great footballer. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that's why he went to Rangers, um, sort of like Brendan Rodgers um, did at Celtic. Um, he has a little bit of an easy league, but then he did uh, uh, <laughs> overcome um, Celtic's uh, romping of the league for years, um, and he won Rangers the title, which wasn't a small um, achievement for sure. Uh, so he, he showed that he could do it. Um, but I think he should have, uh, in hindsight, stayed there possibly another year. Then it would have been like equivalent going to the championship. Yeah, definitely. And um, I don't know if you know too much about him, Josh, but uh, Lopetegui for Wolves, you've got European pedigree, but I feel like it's going to be a really tough place to go into, especially when you've got Diego Costa going around the changing rooms, headbutting everyone. <laughs> yeah, look, I think... I think, well, I think the QPR manager made the right choice. I think there's a good chance QPR are going up and there's a good, as equal, as equally good chance that Wolves might be going down to, to kind of do a bit of a trading places. So he might have stayed on the right ship with that one. Um, look, I don't know the manager that well, but, yeah, it's definitely a tough situation that he's coming into, having a lot of trouble scoring goals. And Diego Costa is not really helping with that, both from an attitude perspective, I guess, behind the scenes, but also on the field he's not putting them away. So the whole team's not putting them away, but... Obviously, you know, Diego Costa, with the, with the kind of attitude he has, should be, you know, really banging in the banging in the goals if he wants to get away with stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's going to be interesting with them um, whether they actually pick up and, and start scoring goals because they've usually been pretty defensively sound, but they haven't really, you know, that since Jimenez got that really bad injury, an unfortunate injury, they've just really lacked that focal point. And he, even he's come back and he's just, not looked half the player that he was at one point. Yeah, I think Pedro Neto uh, still looks good for them. Uh, but then uh, you take out, at the time, it didn't look like much. Um, like Jota, um, when they paid 40 million Liverpool to Wolves, everyone thought, wow, um, what a what a bit of business for Wolves. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, they're, they're struggling to link up in that front three in the final third. Um, and like you said, the Jimenez injury, um, just added to the worries. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So I was going to talk about the World Cup, but I think we'll probably reconvene before then and we'll probably have a, a full podcast and preview on that. So we'll talk about that another time. But is there anything else uh, you'd like to add, Josh, just on the Premier League? Anything I might have missed? Anything that caught your eye? Uh, not, not, nothing too major. I'll just talk about Brighton quickly, if that's all right. So I've, they've obviously come in and they've had, they had a good game against... Um, a good game against Liverpool, but obviously dropped the points and dropped the points in the end, and then they obviously beaten Chelsea. And I think, look, I, I I've seen Deserby coach before, obviously in the Syria, and he took Sassuolo and he made them absolutely. They were just incredible to watch from an attacking perspective, but they couldn't manage it from a defensive perspective. So I think he's got some good players to work with. I'd love to see how he kind of manages that team going forward for the rest of this season and see how his style and really ultra-attacking kind of place transfers into the Premier League. I think the one thing he's done pretty well as well is, you know, not change too much from what Potter kind of did. Um, I think, you know, he's he's probably a bit like Potter. He's kind of switched between a, a back four and a back three. And I think next season you might see a little bit more change, but I think right now they're in such a good spot. There's probably not too much point changing things and he can kind of slowly implement 
the way he wants to play and bring in the players that kind of fit his way um, of playing. Michael, is there anything else you want to add just before we move on? No, I'm happy with that, Mike. All right, easy. So, Josh, first time on the show, mate. So we do a segment. It's called the 10 in 10. So basically how it works is I'll, I'll allocate – I've allocated you guys five questions each and I'll ask it to you and you've got to answer it pretty quick. So first thing that comes to mind, you've got maximum a minute. Okay, if you can get under that, that is great. Okay, but um, just to ease the pressure, I'll start with Michael first. So Michael, let's, let's start this one off. World Cup winner, who's your tip? Uh, World Cup winner, I'm going to go for Argentina. Okay. Um, Liverpool makes or misses top four, Josh? I think they miss it this year. You're going to miss it? Okay, yeah, sorry. I had you on mute there, so we're going to say miss. All good. Um, all right, Michael, Lampard or Gerrard as a manager? <laughs> Gerrard. <laughs> ah, <laughs> <he> shit. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I, I was meant to put this for Gareth. I think Gareth would have been, uh, would have taken those red red spectacles off. Um all right, we kind of spoke about this one. Josh, Lopetegui, good managerial appointment? No. All right, no, I don't think so. I think, I don't think he's going to be... I don't think he's going to... He couldn't make it work at Seville. How's he going to get Wolves out of the relegation zone? Yeah, Seville are kind of like a FIFA 18 team. They've got Rakitic, Fernando. It's like players. It's like they've just played football manager um, 2018 and just gone, oh, who was good? Okay, we'll sign him. Anyways, um, all right. Michael, has Brendan Rodgers saved his job with recent results? Yeah, I, I think he'll turn around if they've given him this long. Um, there's no reason why to get rid of him now. He, he's turning the corner. Um, I, I think he'll be fine. Okay. Um, Josh, is the Premier League title race now just between two teams, City and Arsenal? 100%. I can't see anyone else coming into it. You look at Tottenham's in third and we've just, we spent, you know, 10 minutes talking about how they're not really playing at a standard that's going to be, you know, good enough to win the title. So they're not really going to come up. And then Newcastle's, yeah. And I don't rate United at all. So yeah, definitely a two horse race. Yeah. I think United have improved, but they still got a little bit to do there. Um, Michael, Newcastle, will they make Europe this season? Uh, yes, but I don't believe the Champions League. I think they'll either be in the Europa or conference. Okay. Um, and then for you, Josh. So Graham Potter's faced a little bit of criticism already, especially after that result against his former club, Brighton. Um, he kind of spoke about how, you know, it's, it's normal uh, being at a big club and, and, you know, you're pretty close to being in a disaster or in a bit of a crisis because of the nature of, of you know, managing an elite club. Do you reckon he will last long-term in that Chelsea job? No, and I don't necessarily think that's the right decision either. But I don't think he'll um, he'll um, last. I think Chelsea go through managers like I go through Tic Tacs, and just it's just not gonna. He's just he's just not gonna be able to hang around. He doesn't have the name to kind of carry himself through, and the the, the performances they expect from him are ridiculous. They they basically want Chelsea to win the title, and he's just from from where they are, and they're not a title winning team. So I think. If he, he'll make the end of the season and I reckon halfway through next and he's gone. Okay, for any international listeners, I don't know if Tic Tacs are international, but a Tic Tac is just like a small mint lolly, hard lolly. All right, um, Michael, we're Nottingham Forest. I don't know if we discussed this last time. Were they right to give Steve Cooper a new, I think it was five-year deal? I think with the signings, backing him in is the right thing. 
getting them out of um, the relegation fight, I don't think is possible. Um, I think we'll go right to the wire. Yeah, they've got as many wins as Liverpool now. I think same as Everton. No, anyways, um, moving on. Last one. So, Josh, I want you to get fired up for this one because we kind of speak about it a little bit when we play volleyball. VAR, VAR, what's the problem with it? Is it just down to the implementation? Yeah, 100% down to the implementation. I think the big one that everyone looks at is offside and the issue has is there being too small a margin that how the player's supposed to see if they're fucking left, sorry, my apologies, if their left toe is is over the line. Yeah, okay, the VAR can see it. I think they need to use thicker lines or, you know, have to measure it from a part of the body that's allowed to touch the ball. You know, they're saying the elbow is offside, but they can't touch the ball with the elbow, so who's that helping? Yeah, no, Josh, I'm going to add a point there. Um, I think the perspective as well from where the footage is frozen before they start drawing in these fancy lines with different thicknesses and all that, um, I think that just uh, is a bit ambiguous as well. I think that just changes it. It's not like they're um, perpendicular, they're straight on, and then you know, wow, that's a decision. You look at a different angles, it looks completely different, doesn't it? 100%. I mean, as well, I feel like if you're taking, like, two or three minutes to, to decide an offside call, then it, it's not clear and obvious. Like, it, I mean, they have to check these sort of things. And I, I think there's just too much ambiguity with the decisions. You know, what is clear and obvious? I mean, I'm going back to the Liverpool and City game here. Like, the referee saw it. So he didn't necessarily, I don't know. Was it clear That was two players, Mikey. I think you can get a better example than right. that. All right. Um, moving on. <laughs> okay. Um, I've just got over that game. So, all right. Thanks for the 10 and 10, fellas. So uh, we always finish off a little bit of a quiz. So the way it works, again, I'll just get you to pick a number. I'll give you a question based on that number. So uh, for Gareth's sake, because last time, Josh, Gareth was on here and I did like who am I quizzes. And it was like, oh, I played for this club, this club and this club. And he just he just lost it. He nearly had a meltdown. So um, I scrapped them this week. Might add it back next time. But anyways, um, Josh, we'll start with you, mate. So pick a number between one and 10. Eight. Okay, then. Um, I'm just scrolling down here. Oh, you should know. You should know this one. Which player celebrated a goal and had his under his shirt? Why always me? Balotelli. Yeah, Balotelli. Yep, yep. The fireworks boy. AC Milan legend. Okay, so that's a good no, no, I, I will not call AC Milan legend for bloody Balotelli. <laughs> he had one good season. <laughs> All right, um, Michael, number seven. Um, okay, so this player was banned for nine months after fly kicking an opposition fan. Oh my That's goodness! Wild. Wow, um, fly kicking <laughs> went into the. Ah. He went into the into the actual like where the seat seats were, just on the sort of touchline, and he fly kicked an opposition fan. Oh, I got no idea. I'm blank. He played for United. Wayne Rooney? No. No. Josh, do you know for a point? I no idea, man. Uh, it's gone back a little while. I probably wasn't even born then. But um, Eric Cantona. Oh, yeah, of course. Remember, I'll try to bring it up later. Um, all right, go on then. Um, Josh? Uh, I'll go six. Okay, I actually lie. I did. I did put a "Who am I?" question in here. So, uh, this player had a pretty long CV. Uh, he played for PSG, Arsenal, 
Real Madrid, Liverpool, Manchester City, Bolton, Chelsea, Juventus, and then West Brom. He is French. I'll give you that. Striker. I've got no idea. If Michael's got it, give it to him. Anelka. Who's that? What'd you say? Nicholas Anelka. Yeah, Anelka. What a CV. Cool. Yeah, it's not bad that. Um, Michael then, so you've got uh, 2-1. Uh, we'll be 1-1. 1-1, I think. Uh, number five, thanks. Number five. Okie dokie. Let's have a look. Okay. Mario Balotelli only assisted one goal in the Premier yeah, League. Yeah, Jesus moment. True. Uh, Aguero, mate. Come on, don't be disrespectful. Yeah, yeah oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, true. Yeah. Don't, don't get Josh fired up about Gabriel Jesus. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, go on, Josh. Uh, four. Okay. Harry Kane registered both the most goals and assists in the 2021 season. Is this a true or false, false question? Yeah, true or false. Sorry, yep. 2020. No, false. No, it's actually true. <laughs> So that's, that's, that's impressive. That's impressive. All right, go on, Michael. Uh, number three, thanks. Number three. All right, so I've just lost my thing here now. Ooh. Well, that's an easy one. This is a gimme. Name the Premier League manager who referred to himself as the special one in 2004. Uh, I'm going to go for Jose Mourinho. Yeah, that's the one, mate. All right, so I think we're up to question number... Oh, far out. I should have I should have written this down now as well. We're just going to say question number seven. Go on, Josh. Uh, yeah, question two, mate. Okay, which uh, team received a Premier League record transfer fee for their player in 2018? And then Premier League record or like current, still the Premier League record transfer? Uh, I'm going to say then Premier League record because I think uh, City have probably broken that. <laughs> um, crap, that's a hard one. I can't remember the transfers. Um, they're, no, they're, they're, a top, they're a top four team. They're a top four team? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not in the top four, but they're a top four team. I'll go Chelsea. Chelsea sell well, players. It is oh. Liverpool. And I believe, Michael, that probably would have been Coutinho, right? Yeah, to Barcelona. That's the one. All right, go on, Michael. Million. Pick a number. Uh, number one, please. Okie dokie. Um, how many wins did Derby County record in the 2007 and 2008 season? They did. I can't. I, oh, that is. Where, where did you find it's this one? absolutely horrid. I'm, I'm shocked. Um, four. Bad, but... I'm going to go for two. No, they didn't even get two. They only got one. <laughs> That's a terrible sound. Okie dokie. Uh, so there's only one left, I think. Where are we? Okie dokie. Hang on. I've just lost it again. So question nine and ten left, mate. Number nine, nine and ten should be left. I've got... Okay, cool. Um, all right. So... Oh, okay. Sadio Mane scored a Premier League hat trick in under three minutes. True or false? I know true. Michael's probably like, I know, what was that? 100% true. I remember that yeah. game. That was a good game. That, that would have been for Southampton, I would have said. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, last one. Oh, man. Okie dokie. Michael, who was the Manchester United captain from 1997 to 2005? Roy Keane? Yep, Roy Keane. All righty. Congratulations, Michael. I'm pretty sure you won that one, mate. Oh, okay. Thanks, so you boys were keeping me updated in the chat the whole time. I didn't even actually... Uh, You're that. welcome. We need um, a better system than that, yeah? <laughs> I mean, I thought I had it organized, but maybe not. You know, teachers are meant to be organized. Clearly, I'm not. Um, all right, boys. So I think that probably just wraps things up. Anything else you want to add before anything you're looking forward to this weekend with the games? Uh, well, I don't know. Looking forward to is the question. Um, but uh, it's one uh, one game closer to the World Cup where we can have a break and, and I can enjoy a bit of football again. Yeah. And you, Josh? Yeah, look, I'm looking forward to it. Look, my eyes 100% are on tonight and the AC Milan game, see if we make it through the next round of the Champions League. But the Prem definitely came to see Leicester play. Not really interested in Man City play this, this weekend. A uh, bit of a Leicester fan because my partner is a Leicester fan. So very keen to see how they go and see if they can keep their upward trend going now that they're not versing Man City this weekend, see if they can get another win on the board. And out of the relegation zone would be nice. They did do really well against City. I mean, they, they we were speaking on Monday night about how, you know, they only lost because of a moment of brilliance. I mean, I think City were pretty pretty average, to be honest. But Leicester as well, They, I think they've got this wild stat where they conceded the most goals after a certain amount of games. But now after um, the amount of games that have been played now, they've also got the most clean sheets. There's some ridiculous stat on, along those lines. So it kind of just sums up Leicester's season, really. Um yeah, nothing for me, really. We got Fulham at the weekend, so that's going to be interesting as well. Um, hope Arsenal drop points just so we can be at top at come of the World Cup. Um, I'm now about to go to bed to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, even though Erling Haaland's not playing and we're probably going to play the kids. But, you know, it's what we do for, for football. So um, it'll be interesting. Anyway, so uh, thanks for listening to the Estella Prem podcast. Thanks for coming on, Josh. Pleasure to be here. It was great to, great to join. Good fun. And thanks as always, Michael. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, it, it was a little while, but uh, that was fun. It was good to be back. Yeah, definitely good to be back. So don't forget, uh, listeners, you can look at all our social media channels. So you can find us all in the one place on Linktree, link.tree.ee forward slash Perth de la Prem. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and many other podcast platforms, all on the same handle, Perth Della Prem. Make sure you give us a follow, like, and listen. And if you'd like to support the show, you can also find our Patreon page, and you can support the show from now just as little as $1 a month. So if you think us talking nonsense for an hour at a time every couple of weeks is worth a dollar, then we'd be very much appreciative of that. So as always, thank you for listening to the Perth Della Prem podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.